This is Draco Malfoy and the House of Black, part three of the Mirror of Isidiru series by Star Bridget. Chapter 17. The Favour. They were found asleep the next morning in their blanket fort, by a godfather who seemed to have little difficulty stripping away Draco's protective enchantments. Severus could not have made a more judgmental face upon the scene that awaited underneath. With the four third years curled up together, textbooks and chocolate frog wrappers all over the covers and between them. Oh, hello there, Draco drawled, rolling to regard Severus balefully. If it isn't my favourite godfather, come to witness my discharge from the hospital, I take it. How moving! Or is it to punish my friends for sleeping outside their tower? So many questions, Severus. And have you any answers? Draco, have you gone mad? Potter hissed, looking just as petrified as the other two waking Gryffindors. But Severus simply nodded tightly and suppressed his grimace. See you return to your dormitories before you are seen, Severus said without an expression and turned on his heel and left the hospital wing. Ron poked his head up from where he'd been attempting to conceal it under the pillow. Is that the Imperius curse? So the Gryffindors ended up facing no consequences for their impromptu sleepover, thanks to Severus's apparent guilt as if getting his godson nearly killed could be made up for by not giving his friends detention. But hey, it was better than still also giving his friends detention. Draco had been sure to place himself between Ron and Hermione. After all, barriers between himself and any unfortunate thoughts or urges towards Potter, who had seemed to feel shafted, when Draco set their final sleeping order from left to right as Potter, Weasley, Malfoy, Granger. And frankly, Potter, Draco added, I'm appalled to witness your designs on Hermione's virtue. What would poor Cho Chang have to say? Potter protested, as always, his lack of interest in the Chang girl, while Ron muttered something nonsensical about Hermione not being the one Potter wanted to sleep next to. They were both summarily ignored. At least Potter got to have his way when it came to keeping the Polaroid of the Marauders, as well as pictures of the black tapestry and the makeshift black family tree that Draco had drawn them in the early hours of the morning. It had been impossible to explain its intricacies without visual aids, after his casual reference to one of his and Black's assailants as his cousin had perplexed even Hermione, and there were too many names plastered from the tapestry for it to serve as a visual aid. Draco smirked to himself on the way back to the dungeons, and even suffered the half-hearted welcome back by his fellow Slytherins with relative grace and absolutely no cursing with the memory of the Gryffindor's faces as he explained each blasted name on the tapestry in turn, and the reasons behind it. See, there's Isla Black at the top. She married a muggle. Her nephew, Phineas, he supported muggle rights. 
and down there, there's Aunt Bella gone for being Aunt Bella. There's Aunt Andromeda blasted off for marrying a muggle. Their daughter, Nymphadora the Aura, isn't on the tapestry, but she's the one who blew up the music box on me. And over here is Uncle Sirius for running away, and his Uncle Alphard who got blasted off for helping him. See? I've done more research on my family since last time, Stryker. All right, got it? He thought their dazed faces meant they had gotten far more black trivia than they bargained for, until Potter pointed to the one blasted name he hadn't identified, mainly because he hadn't been completely sure. He strained his memory. Oh, that was Cedrella, I think. What did she do? Hermione asked curiously, and Draco frowned. I don't know. I think she married a Weasley. Potter and Hermione laughed heartily at that, before seeming to realise he was dead serious and laughing all the harder, however a sulky face Ron made at them. She got blasted out of your history for marrying a Weasley? Hermione marvelled between laughs, and then peered over at Ron and nodded in agreement. Hmm, fair enough. Draco didn't know the last time he'd been in such a good mood, even as he had to face his exams. But then again, his hospital stay, along with last night, meant that in all his blue and red years at Hogwarts, he'd never felt better prepared for them. He thought, optimistically, maybe he might get top of the year this time over Hermione, although her hysterical and memorable dropping of divination had left her with a lesser load. If she beat him for yet another year running, at least he could attribute it to her access to a time-turner. As Draco left his final exam on Thursday, Arithmancy, his mind was on that morning's defence exam instead, fearing he had not performed nearly perfectly enough for an exam that would be marked by a man who had every reason to despise him. He was idly fantasising about breaking into Lupin's office and altering the written portion, though there was no helping his performance on the practical. Practical parts of exams with spellcasting were normally the easiest part for Draco, but not this one, with the obstacle course set up of dark creatures. He'd even roughly remembered the layout and done just as well as in the blue loop, until he reached the boggart at the very end. They'd been meant to climb into an old trunk and vanquish the boggart. Draco took one look at Aunt Bella's face and hightailed it out of there, running as fast as his legs could take him. Draco, Lupin called after him, frowning. Fail me if you like, Draco bellowed back. I'm not going back in there. The defence exam was the only tr thing troubling his mind when he returned to the Slytherin common room that afternoon and tried to cross through, only to find Pansy Parkinson waiting for him at the entrance to the dormitories. Pansy, Draco said, frowning, and she pulled him onto a bend in the staircase up to the third-year boys, where they wouldn't be seen. She had done this more than once in the blue loop, but it had usually either been to give him a kiss or berate him for his rank neglect of his poor girlfriend. Neither seemed likely in the red line. Pansy, Draco said again, 
What is it you want, if you're planning to curse me again? I'm sorry, Hunzi blurted, and put her head in her hands, resting her elbows on the large metal case on her lap, and rubbing her palms over her pale face. I'm sorry, Draco. I'm sorry I cursed you at Christmas. At first I was sure I was in for it, that you were going to retaliate as soon as you got back to school. And when you told Millie you wouldn't, I just thought you were trying to lull me into a false sense of complacency and you were planning a really bad revenge, but nothing's happened and now it's the end of term and I just feel so guilty. Pansy, Draco said, and took her hands to pull them from her eyes, though he hoped that wouldn't even now give her any false encouragement. Listen to me. I was never going to come after you. I meant what I told Millie. Honestly, you know Malfoys don't apologise. But the way I acted in first year. We'd been friends practically all our lives, Pans. And I just cut you out without even any explanation. You all would have had the right to curse me. I haven't been fair to you. I'm not saying I take it back about anything I said, especially about being gay. I'm sorry, but I am, and that's not going to change. But you're safe from me, I promise, unless you hurt my friends. I am sorry, though, Pansy said miserably, though she looked moved by his acknowledgement of his own wrongdoing in cutting them out of his life so unceremoniously. Maybe she'd been waiting to hear that, more than any declaration of love. I know I owe you a favour, and that's why I have this for you, she said, and pushed the metal case towards him. Draco let her set it on his lap, where they sat on the cold stone dormitory steps. What is this? he said, poking at it curiously, and then opened the front flap to see a very thick, magically enforced looking mesh in a viewing hole. It's it's Mr Wilberforce, Pansy said, closing the flap hurriedly. Millie's cat or I mean it's Mr Wilberforce's carrying case. You know how that cat can be. How many times it slipped away at King's Cross. So this year she's got a reinforced case with all kinds of spells. And I've borrowed it because it was Mr Wilberforce who found him, out behind the gamekeeper's hut. Millie and I were chasing him, and we found him menacing the ugly thing. She wanted to just let him eat him, but I, I said we couldn't, and had I get the case, so here, look inside, but be careful, he's vicious. She showed off some small scratch marks over her white palms. Draco pulled down the flap and squinted at the mesh. What am I supposed to be seeing? Weasley's rat, of course she said irritably, and pulled the flap down lower to show bars beneath the mesh, between which peered out the terrified face of Scabbers. If she hadn't said it, he himself would have barely recognised the creature. Thinned so much, hair falling out, scrambling in the case desperate to get out all the more when he seemed to recognise Draco's face on the other side of his prison, and there was the missing toe. I know you fell out with your precious Pat Gryffindors over this ugly thing, and I thought it might be it, and I could bring it back to you, like a peace offering for having cast you. 
Are we even now? She winced. It is Weasley's rat, isn't it? Yes, Draco said, hands shaking as he pulled the flap back down. Yes, that's Weasley's rat. Listen, do you think you could do something for me? Pansy held the cage as they walked out of the common room together, attracting some stairs but no followers, which was good enough. Draco edged up towards Severus's office, remembering the story young Voldemort had told of first-year Luna robbing Severus's desk. And if she could do it, he could, whatever new precautions had been instituted. Still, it was a heart-stopping few minutes leaving Pansy and the case outside, while he used his blood charm to sneak into the office and find Black's two-way mirror that Severus had confiscated. He used the latch Luna had and got the mirror out, pushing it in his bag before he went, and breathed a sigh of relief like he'd just been released from the Cruciatus curse when he saw Pansy still standing out there, keeping watch and holding the case with the rat in it. Thank you, Pansy, Draco said. We're all square now. And she handed him the case and turned. Wait. Can you please find one of the Gryffindors? Tell them to send Potter Weasley Granger down to the dungeons. For them to get Lovegood too and bring her. Please, Pansy. That'll be the cast of it. Really, all square, I promise. She let out a huff but ran off fast enough, leaving him with the case. He stared down at it, only to hurriedly put it down and hide it behind his feet when Severus came striding down into the hall. Oh, there you are, sir. You're just the man I was looking for. Severus looked bemused by Draco's sudden friendliness, after the frigidness that had reigned between them since the failed meeting with Black. Yes, he intoned. I was just wondering, Draco said quickly, about if you needed my help at all with the wolf's bane, since, you know, the full moon is tomorrow night, and... Severus heaved an irritated sigh. I have had more than enough of your help, Draco. You used far too much of the pickled myrrh in last month's preparation, and now I find myself short. Draco shifted nervously from foot to foot, willing Severus not to look down and see the large bright silver case behind him. But the potion did work, didn't it? He's had it the past five nights. Yes, Severus hissed out. But now I have been surprised by a shortage and must find this long fermenting ingredient from elsewhere on short notice to stretch out the remaining potion for tonight and tomorrow. If you have need of me tonight, Draco, look elsewhere. I must travel to secure the pickled myrrh, and I will not return before tomorrow. Oh no, sir, that's terrible, Draco said, 
forcing a triumphant expression on his face, though he couldn't have planned this better even if he had purposefully overused or stolen the myrrh himself. I'm really sorry. I'll make sure to measure the ingredients better next time. There will not be a next time, Severus said with a perfect icy calm, and swept in and out of his office in a billowing rush of black robes and cloak. Draco waited around the corner to watch him go in and out of his chambers, and then he was gone. Draco barely held back a cry of glee. The minute the coast was clear, Draco raced with the case into Severus's conveniently vacated chambers, setting it on the table in front of the fireplace. He took another look behind the bars at the exhausted rat, before picking up the mirror and hissing, Serious? He could only hope the magic Black had told him tied him to the mirror work where Black would hear the call from the mirror from anywhere on his end. It still could take a lot of time for him to get to a mirror from wherever he was in Hogsmeade, but it was only a few minutes per Potter's watch, glancing anxiously between the case and mirror, before he heard an answering voice of, Draco. They hadn't spoken since the duel, when Black had yelled for him to run, and there seemed to be concern in that voice whatever Hermione and Luna had told him. But there was no time for sentimentality now. Uncle Sirius, I found him. Scabbers, Wormtail, Predigal, the rat, you have to come now, he said all in a rush. And Black's face was worth every month of struggle and failing, to see his old dark eyes widen like that, and turn so very young again with hope, almost like they had looked in Severus's memory but there was no trace of cruelty in them any more. Black eagerly agreed to make his way onto the Hogwarts grounds as a dog and meet Hermione behind Hagrid Hut to take him in. Draco cast a look at the case, willing it to stay undisturbed and full before racing out and having another bit of luck, catching the Gryffindors just as they were descending the steps to the dungeons. I've done it, he hissed to Hermione. Meet Padfoot by Hagrid's heart. He's coming. Bring him to Severus's chambers somehow. My godfather's off on a trip. I've got Wormtail in his rooms. Go! And that was his best friend, taking only a wide-eyed moment to absorb what he had said before nodding and running. What's going on? Ron asked, and Draco didn't have to think before choosing. Ron? Draco instructed. Wait right here at the stairs. My cousin Luna is coming. If anyone gives you a hard time, say you're waiting for me and I'll curse them if they mess with you. Bring her to Professor Snape's chambers once she's here, all right. It's really important. Ron listened to him describe the way and then with a sublimely Gryffindorish nod of resolution took his post. Draco dragged Potter by the arms through the Slytherin labyrinth, towards the one place in the castle he had never thought he'd take him. We're going to Professor Snape's rooms, Potter asked, sounding like he thought he was being delivered to the foaming jaws of a manticore. He's on a trip, 
Draco hissed. Which means I'm the only one left at Hogwarts who can access them, open or close. I'm the only one who can get inside, got it? He heaved an agonised sigh of relief when he saw the case still there, though it made his heart flash with nauseous fear when he saw the case had fallen to the ground off the table. Scabbers had gotten that far, but not far enough, and Draco did not intend to let him out of his sight again for a second until he was human again. Draco, what is this all about? Potter asked. "'staring as Draco put the case back on the table "'and then went utterly still once Draco had lifted the flap "'and shown him what was behind the bars. "'Draco, that's Scabbers, isn't it?' "'No,' Draco said with a dragonish grin. "'It's Peter Pettigrew.' "'Potter grabbed his arm hard enough to bruise. "'Ron is not going to. "'Once he sees his rat. "'Turn into a human who's supposed to be dead,' Draco said calmly. "'He can think or do whatever he likes, "'but somehow I think that will have changed.' "'Potter clung to Draco's arm fully then, "'as stricken and dependent with terror in that moment "'as Draco had ever been in the Chamber of Secrets, "'with everything he knew at stake now, "'and Draco could tell without any doubt now, Potter had believed him and Hermione fully. Oh my God, Draco, if this works, if it's really true, then Sirius Black. Potter rolled his eyes at the green fire, then delicately extricated himself from Potter's grasp. What do you think, Potter? Ready to meet your godfather? Potter's face hardened, and he drew his wand, which made Draco do the same. If Black really did betray my parents, like everyone said, I don't know what I'll do. Don't worry, Draco told him placidly, and could not resist the urge to press his face into Potter's shoulder just for a moment, leaving it there before pulling it away in a nonsensical form of reassurance. If Black's been playing me this whole time, and he really is guilty, I'll kill him before you have the chance. Potter pulled back and tilted his head, biting his lip as he stared into Draco's eyes, as if searching for answers to unanswerable questions. Why is it when you say that, I believe it? Ron and Luna came knocking at the door then, but Draco judged it not prudent to let them know what was going on yet. He held up a finger to his mouth, giving Potter a look, only for Luna to blurt it out instead. Oh, a keys! Is that a keys to carry pets? Oh, Draco, you found him! The rat! Draco nodded, and she squealed and ran over and hugged him around the middle, while Ron looked poleaxed. Sirius is going to be so relieved! You told your cousin? Potter asked at the same time Ron whispered, You found Scabbers? He looked nervous enough at the prospect that Draco thought he could have also believed him and Hermione, if not entirely. Bloody hell. Well, do it then. You said you and Hermione have a spell to turn an animagus human if they're really one. Ron went over and pulled back the flap, eyes widening when he saw through the bars. It's Scabbers! Oh, he looks awful! 
Don't worry, Scabbers, we're about to prove your innocence. From the hissing and clawing at the bars that followed, it seemed Scabbers had less faith than he might in the comfort of his owner. Wait, Draco said. Wait for Hermione and for Uncle Sirius. He deserves to see this more than anyone. And Ron mouthed Uncle Sirius with a gobsmacked look. He's really a lovely man, Luna assured them, and he's become a fan of the Quibblow. The minutes Draco waited then, pacing the room while being sure all the while to keep his wand out and his body still between every other person in there and the case, were some of the longest he had ever lived. Wild visions ran through of his head of Black and Hermione being seen or captured, Hermione killed and it being his fault, Lupin recognising Padfoot and taking them away. As it happened, Lupin did recognise Padfoot, but he took them straight to Draco anyway. When the next knock on the door came, and he slid the door open the smallest sight, the sight of Hermione's wide brown eyes made him throw it open, only to be greeted by a far stranger sight, making his call of, Come on, finally, die on his lips. She was followed by Padfoot, who had Remus Lupin right behind him, Lupin's wand fixed right to the back of the dog's head like a hostage. Draco, I'm sorry, she said weakly, looking between the men as if to ask what she could have done, but Draco smiled reassuringly. He saw me walking him in and he knew he wouldn't. Striker, it's fine, Draco said, and took her arm and led her towards the room with the case, which made Lupin and Padfoot follow. Though with Lupin's grim face and the air between the two, it felt like a dog being led to its execution. Lupin will see Wormtail, and then everything will be fine. Mr Malfoy, Lupin sighed. I might have known you were behind this. Not just me, Draco said. Lupin stopped in the doorway as he found a number of his students there waiting for him, in front of a charmed green fire, whose flames swam eerily over a case of solid silver. Here, Professor Lupin, if you wanted proof, here, it's time, you'll have it. The dog was staring across the room at Potter, longing as visible as any dog's face could ever have shown it. There was recognition on Potter's face as well. I've seen you, Potter said slowly, outside Privet Drive, and at the match against Slytherin. Professor Trelawney, you're the Grim. What he is, Lupin said, is Sirius Black, and prodded Padfoot forward with his foot and wand. Go on, Sirius, turn back. Show Harry Potter who you really are. Bloody hell, Ron said, pulling Luna protectively behind him, even though she just peered over his shoulder on her tiptoes with fearless enthusiasm. The two-way mirror had not done justice to how much Black had been deteriorating in the time since he and Draco had met face to face, beyond his apparent newfound fandom of the Quibbler. Black's hair was closer to his elbows now, his emaciation more advanced despite the food Dobby had been giving to Hermione and Luna to sneak him, his teeth yellow, eyes dark hollows, 
the concave bumps of his chest like another spine, decorated with those striking tattoos. He could not have looked more like a dangerous dark wizard if he had been actively trying. Yet somehow, even after just having seen her face that day, Joker could not see a shred of resemblance between him and Aunt Bella any more. Sirius Black, Potter said, drawing himself up as tall as he could, shaking off Hermione's hand that tried to hold him back. Black was the only one in the room now without their wand drawn, even Luna's quietly held in her hand at her side. Did you... did you betray my parents? No, Black said, and then his face crumbled, and Draco could have personally given him to a Dementor for it. But it was my fault, Harry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. His eyes looked like they had been planted in his skull from another person's face, massive black holes swallowing in the light. Harry, I, I as good as killed them. I persuaded Lily and James to change to Peter at the last moment, persuaded them to use him as secret keeper instead of me. I'm to blame, I know it. Potter's face didn't change, and Draco knew the staggering effect of that pure green stare for himself when cast down in judgment. He knew it was a miracle that it hadn't brought Black to his knees completely, with the man Black loved, already holding his wand to the back of his neck. I know all that, Potter said, wand unmoving. I know what your story is. I... I should have been able to stop it, Black said, voice breaking, as the room held its breath as one for this strange confession. The night they died, I'd arranged to check on Peter, make sure he was still safe, but when I arrived at his hiding place, he'd gone. Yet there was no sign of a struggle. It didn't feel right. I was scared. I set out for your parents' house straight away, and when I saw their house destroyed and their bodies, I realised what Peter must have done, what I'd done. Enough of this, said Lupin. There's only one way to prove what happened. Get out the rat. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Draco Malfoy and the House of Black. Part 3 of the Mirror of Isidaru series by Star Bridges.